welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Eliza Kelly. So in this episode, we spend a lot of time talking about tarot, talking about what it means to have a mystical business. So those who are interested in pursuing astrology or tarot or Reiki or spell work or mediumship or anything in between will really dig this episode. Um, but since we are right at the precipice of summer 2019 and the eclipses are right around the corner, I wanted to just quickly talk about what eclipses are, what they do, and how they're going to impact your life. So eclipses are special lunations. Each month we can depend on the orbit of the lunar cycle, the consistency of the new moon marking the beginning of an emotional flow. We can track the moon as it expands, revealing more and more information and insight and culminating during a full moon and then the waning phases as it gets smaller and smaller and all of the information that we have received begins to disseminate and we begin the cycle all over again with the new moon. Okay, so we can rely on that most of the time. But every now and then, the moon reaches its upper and lower bounds within its orbit. And these are called the lunar nodes and in our birth charts, these lunar nodes show up as the north and south nodes. Now these lunar nodes are really special. They symbolize our pathway to destiny, our karmic purpose, where we're going in this lifetime, pretty big stuff. And what they do in real life in the physical world is when the moon uh, reaches the lunar nodes it creates a perfect alignment with the earth and the sun so a solar eclipse is when the moon comes directly between the earth and the sun and it creates that really powerful visual display that we saw in August 2017 during the Great American Eclipse when the sun is temporarily obstructed by the silhouette of the moon and a lunar eclipse is when the earth comes between the sun and the moon so instead of the moon emitting this silvery sparkling radiance on its surface that we know so well it actually emits this red tawny tone um, which is why we often think of a lunar eclipse as a blood moon so these eclipses always travel in pairs so in july we are going to have a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse back to back which is really important it's important for the collective because these lunar eclipses and solar eclipses are connected to 
an entire eclipse series. So this eclipse series is currently in Cancer and Capricorn, and it actually began last July, July 12th. We had another instance of it on January 5th of this past year, and these eclipses in Cancer and Capricorn are going to continue until next year, 2020. This is a big deal because Cancer symbolizes the people, women, women's issues, and Capricorn symbolizes the system, the establishment, the patriarchy. So we definitely can expect to see a lot of changes on a societal level surrounding issues relating to the people and the patriarchy. On a personal level, we can see where Cancer and Capricorn fall in our birth charts to understand how these eclipses are going to be impacting us. And we could start to look at the past, last last July, last January, to see what are the themes that are going on? How are these eclipses going to inform my future? So big deal, you guys. July is eclipse season. A lot of exciting major milestones are right around the corner. Um, I am going to be hosting an eclipse workshop for anyone who is interested in diving deeper into this. It is going to be on Sunday, June 30th. If you are listening to this in the future, hello from the past. <laughs> but also, um, continue to follow me on my Instagram at Eliza Kelly, which is where I am going to be posting the most up-to-date information about workshops and events and all of that good stuff. So you will never, ever miss an important eclipse or an important cosmic milestone again. Woo! Okay, so let's dive into this amazing episode. Episode 16, motherfuckers. <laughs> here it is. Enjoy. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am here with Anna Tonk, and she is a tarot reader, a spiritual practitioner, and an educator. And now she's my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you here. I'm so excited. Um, I, as I often do on this podcast, I feel like the best way to start is to hear about your journey. How did you become this tarot reader, spiritual practitioner, educator, which is a mouthful? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, I, I feel like uh, the further you get in this business, the uh, less you're able to quickly sum up what you do, who you are in a way. Um, so I guess it was about I've always been super psychic and intuitive since I was a little kid. Um, I just had no idea what to do with it. And it felt really highly uh, unpredictable. You know, I felt like I just would know things, but I didn't know what to do with it. And then about six years ago, I went out to the desert on, I mean, I jokingly called it a vision quest because I didn't know that was a really... Um, culturally appropriate term at the time but I went out to the desert I saw a shaman and she was really like you need to do something with your intuition and then I had a reading and again it came through like until you really make your peace with your intuition and fold it in to your sense of self you're not going to make total sense to yourself 
And so people kept bringing up tarot. I didn't really know a ton about it at that point. I'd had a, a deck when I was a teenager, but felt really mystified by it. So, so I started reading tarot um, or studying it. I studied with Lindsay Mack, who's incredible. And it just was like uh, lighting a fuse. It was just kind of unreal how quickly it took off. And I had zero expectations. I had no plan. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go down this road. I was a television producer at the time. And it totally took over my life. It just sort of exploded my life in a wonderful way. And, um, you know, I guess about two and a half years ago, I started doing this full time. So I just got super duper obsessed and really um, devoted myself to tarot for, uh, I guess, about a year and a half of really deep study. And then I went to Delphi, which is a metaphysical university and did their in-depth channeling program. And that was a huge game changer for me. It just really gave me a lot of confidence. Um, it really taught me how to channel. And I think that that's actually like one of the things I'm the best at is channeling because I love the weirdness of it. I love the weirdness if you feel just sort of relax and go with it and realize there's no right or wrong and that like the word turtle will pop into your head and you just have to trust it's relevant to the person you're channeling for. And it's wild and weird. And that um, really, I don't know. I think the channeling kind of got me hooked and bringing that into tarot. I, a lot of the maybe self-doubt I had or things like that with tarot, um, I just didn't anymore. And so I think things really took off. And I think having this tool to really harness and uh, start to really process and understand what my own psychic and intuitive language was, um, was a huge game changer for me. Like I'd always had anxiety. It like went away. Mm. It was really weird. What like I, I had this really profound sense of like aspects of myself that had, I just like didn't know how to work with were like falling into place. It was just really, I'd never had an experience with that where like the road just opened. Um, so clearly so and it was interesting for me emotionally and in, and in therapy to just sort of be like I don't know I just think I'm supposed to do that <laughs> like I don't know why I don't know what this means it was the first time I think I really let go you know and just was sort of like well let's see what happens mm. it's interesting that you should mention um that you that you're linking your tarot practice and your intuition because I that's a huge component of astrology for me is that it's really a language and I mm -hmm. I I really like the language it really resonates with me um prior to understanding it it was a lot harder for me to explain the way that I saw the world and the way that the external and the internal experiences coincided yeah um and then when I was started becoming more fluent in astrology and and building my language base it was just it was like everything started opening up because all of these things that were otherwise unexplainable started to actually have words and language around yeah. them that's a really powerful moment when these things that you've like you know had a hunch about or were like I just I don't know how to explain this I just think it's this way or I think I'd always been the person like with my friend groups um, who would meet someone and be like, 
I don't like her, you know, or I don't know, you know, and people would be like, you're being mean or you're being like, she's so cool or like whatever. And I'd be like, cool, cool, cool. You know, and then inevitably they would be sucky like down the road, but I couldn't articulate it. And I also don't think I knew how to um, give myself permission. And so now I'm like, so my brain would get really hung up on, I think, making these cases or proving something or, you know, maybe that's a Scorpio moon thing too, that I would be like a detective. I'm going to figure out why and how this person sucks, which is such a huge waste of energy. And I think with a lot of this, like, um, whether it's astrology, it's tarot, um, it's uh, magic practice, you know, things like that. Like what it gave me was just like trusting energy and just going like, maybe they're a wonderful person that their energy just doesn't mix with mine. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And not wasting my time, you know, racking my brain and just kind of going, oh, like I'm more energetically this way. They're more energetically this way. It makes sense. We wouldn't vibe, you know, like I could just make I could just let things go Mm -hmm. a lot more easily. And I also wanted to go back to when you were talking about channeling, if you wouldn't mind explaining what that is and defining it for at least what it means in your life. I define channeling opening yourself up to receive knowledge, um, knowledge, guidance, um, information um, from a a higher power than yourself. And that isn't the, I I wouldn't say it's the free for all that that sounds like. Um, I think it, you do have to define it and put, um, you know, confines on it. But I think as someone who is really psychic and, um, and empathetic and intuitive, it channeling has been a really helpful way for me to have boundaries Mm. to sort of, I think of myself a little bit like, um, a taxi. I have an on and off duty light and channeling for me is when I kind of open up, you know, to be on duty. And I usually, I have a ritual around it of just saying like, um, you know, I ask, I, I call in my spirit guides. I call in the spirit guides of the person I'm meeting for, um, or even just for myself, or I ask to just connect to my higher self, like things like that, depending on the situation or what I'm seeking, if it's just for me or if it's for someone else. Um, and it's something you can do anywhere, anytime, you know, like, um, I, I guess I don't do it if it's super crowded cause it's easy to be, um, you know, uh, to get uh distracted but even like in shavasana and yoga i'll just like kind of be like okay i'd like to open up my channel i'd like to receive any wisdom that's in my best and highest to know in this moment or you know to my guides is there anything you would like to relay to me in this moment and things like that and sometimes they're like no just be present you know things like that but i essentially i think it's opening yourself up to communicating um and receiving knowledge And it's, you know, something I come, I think a lot of people in this field are plagued by self-doubt, especially at the beginning, because, you know, the very definition of intuition is something you know to be true without external fact. That's tough. You know, like you have to really build a strong sense of self and be a relatively secure person, I think, to, to really push that and explore it um and you also you know a lot of people are also going to be coming against having families who or social 
situations when they were growing up that weren't conducive to that. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, yeah, like if somebody is an extremely intuitive person, but they had parents who are like, nope, everything must must be a fact. Everything Mm -hmm. must be proven. Or their friends are like, you're being so weird. Like, that's going to close off those channels. Absolutely. I mean, something at Delphi they talked about a lot that's, you know, a lot more benign, but I think also a lot more common is that a lot of empaths or intuitives, if they would like see their mom crying, for example, and would be like, you know, mom, you know, like, why are you sad? And they'd be like, I'm not sad. Everything's fine. And so then they would you know, process that as process that as I misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I thought I was picking up on sadness oh, so or not, you know? And so you're from a very young age being often told it. And I mean, listen, there's a lot of ways my parents like completely messed up, <laughs> you know? And there's a lot of ways that I'm like, well, duh, of course that would happen. You know, that's such a human thing to do. Like what mom wants to be like, yes, I'm weeping. Things are terrible, you know? And just like, you, you, can, you know, I just feel sometimes like you got to split the diff in your childhood pain. Um, I'm like, Bleh. I mean, my right, mom's I mean, in a, that would come with its own set of Yeah, problems. my mom's an Aquarius. She was never crying. But um, I think my mom would Totally detach. hypothetical. Yeah, totally. <laughs> hypothetical i'm like but that made so much sense to me that they were like from a very young age you've been told you know because psychic senses psychic reading these things are defined as having um you know hyper sensitive skills like either using your existing senses or psychic senses in order to receive and perceive information so you're being told from this like very young age like you're wrong right you know and then people who maybe find it triggering or you're you know I think for me what was really difficult about I mean gosh I mean I felt I felt 30 since I was like six years old and I think what was tough for me in childhood and in my early 20s and things was like I was always sort of shining a light where people didn't want me to and I was I totally wasn't trying to do it I wasn't trying but I was just always like direct and I always could pick up on this undercurrent and would be kind of like, oh, well, I think it's because blah is happening. And they were like, <gasps> and I was like, I'm not trying to hurt you. I, I mean, like, like, it's like I'm literally not even trying to be a dick. Like, I'm. it's just the way I'm walking through the world, you know? It's interesting because I was an extremely... Um... You know, I I was like a, an ethereal little floating child. I disassociated <laughs> oh, from the same. age of like, yeah. I don't know. As, for as long as I can remember, I remember disassociating. Mm-hmm. And I also then, you know, fast forward to my adolescent years, was a fucking nightmare teenager, was a weird early adult. And a lot of... Checks out, checks yeah. out. And I... I remember when I because I actually started going to therapy before I became an astrologer and I think I same yeah Yeah. and for me I don't think I would be able to do this work if I hadn't started to crack open certain things in my own reality before astrology thousand percent I believe I'm a huge believer in therapy and I know it's expensive I don't want to sound um classist or able to you know I wish I mean I wish a lot of things in our country were different and in our healthcare. I wish it was I mean I as our government gets more uh, just out of control I don't want to say I wish it was government mandated but I <laughs> I kind of wish it was though you know 
Um, therapy has helped me so much as a person and it's helped me so much as a practitioner. And I, and it's interesting the way that it continues to teach me. It's interesting the way that it, um, makes me feel about other practitioners and things that it's confusing at times. And I'm at it, you know, it's funny. I haven't had it really, um, affect my relationships in a while you know like you go through these like growth spurts yeah and totally. recently when I think you're like i can't even look at my father anymore <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it, 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 i'm like i like to make ghost dad jokes because mine's dead but um but it's it's funny a friend of mine was talking about like they're working through some of their own father wounds we have father day, father's day coming up things like that and i was like well that's one cool thing about having a dead one you know like i don't have to i don't have to like interact with him while I deal with mine, which is kind of nice. I just get to purely process well, it. Well, do you channel him? Um, You know, it took me a long time before I would have any interaction with him as a ghost dad. I think I did get through a lot of anger. Um, my dad dropped dead when I was 16 on a business trip, so it's... That's horrible. I'm it's sorry. loaded. Um, yeah, and I had a really complicated relationship with him where we were really close, and, you know, he... My mom was a not a safe person for me at that point in time. Um, but he was also an alcoholic. So it was like really confusing. You know, there was a lot. It took me a while to really separate a bunch of things out. Um, and I think that that's I, I don't think a lot of people get into like the healing sphere, into the intuitive sphere without pain, without trauma, without feeling this sense of, I don't know how to operate in this world. You know, I had childhood trauma that I think also contributed to me being very intuitive because it was how I learned how to be safe. It's how I learned who to be around and who not to, you know? And then that would make me kind of doubt and be like, oh, am I a fraud? Is it only because of trauma? Is it not because I have any gifts, you know? And then it was kind of like, well, who cares? Who cares? Totally. Who cares where it came from? It's still it's still well, there. I, I think that we, we develop psychic skills as a byproduct. I, I would say that 90% of the time, psychic skills are developed in early childhood as a byproduct to circumstances. And mm. we, I mean, I some of my earliest memories, yes, disassociating, but they were standing in front of a mirror, which I actually have so many pictures of me in front of. Um, which I now think was a portal and just staring at my reflection. And I remember going in the middle of the night when my parents were asleep to that mirror and just staring at myself and being like, you're Elisa, you're Elisa. <laughs> like the creepiest Do you think you shit. were like scrying? I, I, I was definitely scrying, 100%. I mean, I was like the spookiest, occultiest baby imaginable. <laughs> but at the same time, I was also um, in a very hostile home i was in a very very difficult home environment so it made sense that i was also finding these other modalities of keeping myself safe that i was connecting with ghosts that i was connecting with my own me being a ghost which i used to think i was Uh, that's interesting i hadn't thought about where i think it comes from i think we're born with it and then i think how it emerges like any anything else in our dna you know like i think it's encoded in us i also think everybody's intuitive everybody's psychic it's to what degree and how it presents and whether or not you're open to it you know like the biggest thing to me when I started sort of working with spirit guides was them being like we're letting you know like what's available but like you're not we're not going to give you anything 
Like you have to really want it or you have to work for it or you have to like set yourself up to receive it. Like, I think a lot of people come to psychic work or, you know, come to get their chart read or come to get their cards read and, and then think it's going to like, like Amazon's going to take it from there and deliver it to their home. And I'm just like, Amazon doesn't offer you know, primable boyfriends yet. Right. Totally. I mean, it's something it's interesting you should bring that up because something that I have been saying to myself and in fact, putting, you know, experimenting with different fonts on a graphic <laughs> for this too, is you can't Amazon prime your spirituality. Yeah. Like, that's, a, that's an, it's funny because like I was the worst when I mean everybody is the worst when they're a baby witch everybody like I think it's just like a rite of passage you're like so um sanctimonious and pretentious and I laugh about what I was like you know six seven years ago or even as a teenager with a Ouija board and was just like I am a conduit to the dead you know like you're just and then at some point we would have had amazing sleepovers though I have to say <laughs> true. it's so true I, mean, I wish I, I had known you <laughs> why I mean everyone came to my house I was like the headquarters I don't love in the spirituality um community that there is a lot of competition which always surprises people like who are not in the community and I'm like well because it's humans of course there is you know and there is a, I think a lot of um showing off kind of or flexing in a way weird flex weird flex <laughs> weird the weirdest flex you could Weird. imagine or like cool you yeah. know um <laughs> yeah. like remember like this but I think it's also because it's a community and a practice that's self-defined and self you know directed mm -hmm. that people naturally I think as human beings like we're looking to figure out where we fit on a yardstick yeah, and the only measurements that we are using are these measurements that basically we're assigning because society wasn't able to do so. I think some people make these really simplistic, um, you know, connections like people with huge followings aren't always talented or, you know, they're not always booking or people, you know, like that's a lot about their own feelings. You know, there definitely are people who I think have these massive followings or corporations that have these like, I mean, look at Goop. I don't I don't think Goop is a great resource for spirituality, but they've really carved out their name. And I think that's the reason why people, you know, write these major articles about it, you know, because they were kind of like, mm, you know, are you an authority in this? I think what's difficult is um, you it's you obviously if you're going to go get a reading with somebody you are doing very vulnerable work and you want to know they're trustworthy or you want to know they know what they're talking about and it's really difficult I think to ascertain that and it's often I think the first part of their reading which is like trusting yourself trusting your gut you know who do you feel called to like worrying a little bit less about like who all your friends have seen or you know who has a massive following on Instagram or you know things like that like do you dig them? Do you like what they're saying? Do you feel a sense of connection? You know? And there's also a symbiotic relationship between the, the, I guess, the conduit, the astrologer, the tarot reader, and the client. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you find this a lot, but I find this time and time again in my, in my readings is I will have back-to-back -back readings 
with people with the same signatures in their chart, the same sort of themes that are recurring. And oftentimes they're right in line with things that are happening in my own reality. I saw like this documentary years and years and years ago. And she's when so, in the director, when she was asked, like, why do you make documentaries? And she's like, I want people to feel less alone. She's like, it's always been a drive for me to tell these stories so people feel less alone. And I, I like never forgot that. And I was like, oh, that's so much of what fuels me is wanting myself to feel less alone and wanting others to feel less alone. And so often I do find um, there's almost like these energetic waves of like everybody will come about, you know, leaving relationships that aren't working for them. Or I'll get a string of people who just got you know, or had some sort of like break, very unexpected break, you know, laid off from a job with no warning or a breakup with no warning. Um, and I'll be like, I don't know what's in the air. You know, I'm like, that's, that's for astrologers to tell you, but just know you're not alone. You're like the fifth person I've seen this week with it. Like there's something in the air. Like you're, you're not personally being victimized. Like this, this is part of some kind of energetic shift we're in, you know? Um, and I feel lucky that it's, it seems like nine times out of 10 that helps people feel a little less alone or like they're being kind of punished or, or they miss something, you know, everybody when they're in pain is, um, you know, vacillating between that, like, what did I do, you know, like, or could I have seen this or did I, you know, and it's like, probably not. And like, how helpful is that? You know, mm -hmm. like, um, I had a woman who had been in a relationship for many years and, um, it's funny because I'd read for her for years and I kind of thought her boyfriend was terrible, but if someone's not looking to leave, you know, you have to meet every client where they are. And then that was never what she was really asking about. Sometimes she would, but you know, and, um, turns out he had been doing a lot of really not great stuff and just broke up with her out of nowhere. And of course, it was like so traumatic for her to not just like get broken up with, but then to find all this stuff out. And she was just like turning it so much on herself. And I think, did she get mad at you? No, no. She was like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cause I was like, hold up. Like before we really get into the cards, before we really talk about anything, none of this is your fault none of his actions are your fault. You're like, yeah, I know you weren't perfect. I'm sure there were things that, that you did that drove him nuts. None of it warranted this behavior, first and foremost. Like, none of what he did was is okay, period. I was like, really, the only thing that he did good was break up with you so you can move on and get him out of your life and heal from, you know, his nonsense and move on and thrive. But, like, none of this is your, your fault. None of this is past lives like none of no like this is someone who was really terrible to you and I'm sorry and let's look at how you can take care of yourself and move through this experience like I try to balance that a little bit I think people often obviously when they're in pain are teaching this ser searching for these very like esoteric and spiritual sort of meanings to things and I'm like yeah maybe you know maybe you did do something terrible in a past life I don't know like but it's interesting we're on Earth that, right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like that you're bringing that up because um, it's definitely something that I am very conscious of when 
I hear about these relationships of like I'm sure you know this the twin flame. I was gonna say twin flames. Twin flames. I you mean aka earth abusive relationships. Right. AKA the most toxic relationships <laughs> that you know you need to get out of immediately. <laughs> oh my God. How many sorry to interrupt, but how many people have told you relationships saying they're my twin flame and you're like run then you're just like <laughs> this is terrible and where you want to be like and I mean I've dated terrible people I have made so many mistakes I haven't been in a healthy relationship and I don't even know so I'm not judging anyone I'm saying it more as like you know the thing they say to like addicts you can't bullshit a bullshitter I'm saying it more like that where I'm like I see through this I've been this person um where I want to be like I just want to stop you and um, point out to you how many things you've had to defend about their action, like how much explanation you've had to make to tell me this person is good. Like good people don't warrant that. They don't need it. You just... Also, like what is the image of a twin flame? Oh, you know what's great? Um, There's a woman, I can't think of what her last name is, but on Instagram, um, she's past life Michelle. And um, she does a lot of stuff at Maha Rose. She does, and I did one of her past life uh, regression workshops. She did this thing on soulmates, and it was really interesting because she was breaking down. Like, um, I'll be honest, I'm gonna totally butcher like her explanation, or I'm gonna tell like a terrible recap, but. As I understood Spoiler it, alert. Yeah, like, I'm like, <laughs> let me preface this with this is Anna's understanding of Michelle's work. Um, <laughs> or what I, or kind of the essentials. I don't know if she was explaining that there's really, I, I don't think she was saying there's only like three types of soulmates. I think she was saying the most common that we encounter is like one, is, she was like, one, a soulmate is just someone you made a soul agreement with to come come back in multiple lives, which I love that. That means it's not just about love. Um, doesn't mean there's just one. And she's like, so the first one is kind of like our soulmate family. This is often like your best friends. This is often people, you know, that you really feel that sense of connection with. And like, yeah, you totally knew them in past lives. You know, like you there, that's part of the reason why they're your, your best friend. Like you have that connection. She's like, there's karmic soulmates, um, which are often I think the the relationships that give you and I a lot of clients of the people <laughs> you know that come into people's lives to teach them things or um to complete or you know finish up karma they're not really some people we're supposed to be in partnership with but there's an addictive quality and it's and it's triggering it tends to be this like you know love it tends to be a little love hate it tends to be um, you know, I can't live with you. I can't live without you. You know, it tends to be a lot of that. I so think I think that for any of my clients listening who we've talked about this, um, that's what I would refer to as a 12th house person. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, a, it's funny you say that because I think maybe you and I DM'd about this and X for me, that was really sticky. He was a Pisces moon, which is my 12th house. And, um, I don't know if that's what you mean, yeah, but it's it is. funny when it you is. said that, um, and then she said, and then there's the twin flames. She's like, you don't, you know, she's like, I don't know about you, but I don't want to meet my twin flame, like, until I'm ready. A lot of people, she's like, for twin flames to really work, you have to have done a lot of work 
And so do they, because it will be the most triggering and um, like, she's like, most of us struggle to really be fully seen. So to really be fully seen and someone who like kind of knows everything about you and vice versa, and to figure out a way to be in relationship with one another and stuff. She's like, I only have, I only know two clients that I really believe are each other's twin flames and it's hard and they go to counseling and like, they've had to really work on it because, and they met much later in life. Both of these couples are like in their sixties. She's like, it's really rare. But like, even just on the image of it, like, is it a candle with two wicks? Um, Is it two candles? Are I, they lighters? I think, I, I what are the flames and why are they twins? I don't know. TBH, until someone can give me a, an image of a twin flame that I can fuck with, <laughs> I'm not going to see these as this is like a relevant term to use. I guess if I'm trying to like dissect it right now, maybe it's some sort of a Gnostic principle of like a soul being split in two. Can I Google image search twin flame? Yes, please do. I'd be so curious to see. I love that that's what you're hung up on about it, that you're like, I'm not really on board, but also the thing that doesn't that's like the first clue that it doesn't check out to me. And as someone who I think I'm a very I think I'm a very visual learner. So Uh in order for me to process something, I think I need to see it. I need to understand what it's conveying. And in this case, to me, I find the error of it in the language of it because it doesn't make sense. And that's how I know that it's not a real thing because it's like, it doesn't make sense. I don't know if it's not a real thing. I'm just not sure it's a good thing. I don't think it's a real thing. I think it's a justification for really bad relationships because I've never heard anyone say like, I have a twin flame and then describe a healthy relationship after. Same. Yeah. I've, I've, I've never heard it. When, yes, exactly to your point earlier, when someone says twin flame, I'm like, okay, I'm rolling up my sleeves and we're getting in here because something is wrong. Yeah. We should not use, like, that's the biggest red flag of a term as a practitioner. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of unhealthy behavior in relation to twin flame, you know, or blaming things in pursuit of destiny or things like, you know, there's a lot... I mean, obviously there's a lot of spiritual bypassing, but like, I think what people aren't aware of is they can spiritually bypass themselves. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I, something I don't love about other practitioners too, is when they really blame, or in my opinion, um, blame their guides. I'd be like, you know, I canceled that because my guides told me it wasn't good for me. And I'm like, I think, I, I guess the reason I don't like it is because no one can refute that. You know, yeah, and and to me, it's beside the point. You can cancel something just because you're allowed to cancel something. You don't have to build in this reason as to why no one can kind of like say anything about it. You know, I think that um, something that has really informed and improved my own spiritual practice, my abilities as a practitioner, and then also my relationships is no longer apologizing or making excuses for when coming up with bullshit excuses for why I can't do something or why I fucked up. And instead just saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. I definitely told so many fibs and, or would come up, would really mine every, you know, well, when I said a lot of yeses that were really no's and had to learn to refine that process. I think those are one of the same. I agree. And then 
I would act out, you know, I would, you know, procrastinate. I wouldn't get things back to people or, you know, I would, um, maybe just eat, you know, like have a bad attitude or something, you know, like, and I'd be like, I generally like to put my best foot forward. I'm kind of, you know, I'm in or I'm out in a lot of ways. So I would be like, you, you, you committed. So like you're being the jerk, like, and it's taken me, I think one, just running your own business and you being one person, you, it, there's just, there's only so much you can do. It's so, uh, I think I already needed to learn that lesson and to be a lot clearer with my yeses and like learn that it's okay. And you're allowed to say no, and you don't really have to make up this. It doesn't have to be this big production. You can just be like, thank you so much for asking. Unfortunately, it's, it, you know, I can't do it right now or whatever. Um, so how much of your business is readings? How much of it is, I know that you had mentioned that you do corporate work as well. Um, and so how would you like break down what your life as a full-time practitioner is? I would say um, it's a third one-on-ones, a third corporate events, a third teaching. And it depends on the month, which one's more, you know, um, I like to do a lot of things. And Venus and Gemini. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like to do a lot of things. Um, I don't, you know, so I like when, if I'm not booked for a lot of things corporately, like, and, and so far it's also sort of taking, taking care of itself. And I think when I really started to like own my calendar and time and quit just like waiting for things to happen, you know, a little bit or being like, Oh, but or like, what if people want one-on-one, -on -one? you know, um, months that I had less corporate work, I would really book up with one-on-ones, you know, um, months that I was doing a lot of teaching and corporate work, like people are less interested in one-on-one, -on -one. you know, like it would just kind of work out that I have never felt, um, pulled too much in one, you know, like I wasn't really serving in some direction. Um, but I really like corporate. I think I'm one of the few like kind of readers um, that likes events. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm ready to hear about your relationship with I, events. I think because like I would I, like to have a healthier relationship with them. Um, It's given me so I mean, I didn't at first. They made me very uncomfortable. Um, but man, there is no better boot camp for boundaries. It's, I mean, I laugh with my therapist sometimes that I'm like, am I becoming a sociopath? It's just like, <laughs> um, is this work leading me into being a sociopath? Yeah, she's is like, um, we're going the wrong way. Yeah. She's like <laughs> one, I don't think that would ever happen. Um, two, why are you concerned that it is, you know? And I'm like, cause I just don't care, you know, like to a certain degree, like every event, there's always going to be someone who's like, Oh my God, I'm so disappointed. Can't you do one more? And I'm like, no, <laughs> cause that's the third time I've heard this this week. You know, I think that sometimes that was one of my bigger struggles is like, you know, everybody thinks they're special, which of course they are. Um, but learning like, again, not to feel bad. I teach tarot a lot. And I think one of the big things I like to really reinforce to any of my students is like, you're the leader, you have the reins. Like, as long as you're not being unprofessional or rude or whatever, like you're, you're allowed to run it, you know? And I guess with those people, 
and this has been a big thing and this has been something I've talked a lot about in therapy, you know, because for a while I had all these people that were so pushy and kind of bullies and it would make me so uncomfortable or I would get really angry because I would normally acquiesce, you know, and I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Juliana Savison, who is a very talented practitioner. Um, and she's like, well, they don't trust your no. And I was like, say that again and say more. And she's like, they don't trust your no. Where do you not trust your no? And I was like, oh. and that changed everything for me. Cause I was like, she's right. I don't trust my no. I know I will acquiesce if I keep at it. And I was like, I have to toe the line. I have to, you know, um, I think some of it too is I growing up like in a chaotic home, like in having a lot of, um, uh, various kind of like forms of mental illness and things in my family. Like it felt a lot like the lunatics were running the asylum growing up that a gift for me in adulthood has been like, that's not how I have to live. So I think for me and those people not to trigger me in events, I'm just like, you're not going to run this. Like you're in my house. That's not how we act in my house, you mm -hmm. know? And I, but I do it kindly and I do it compassionately but I think there's something about my own energy that I exude or I've to kind of be like, try me. Like if you want to, I mean, you just scared me. <laughs> but I want to be me? like, you know, if you want it, your house now, <laughs> <laughs> I live here now. This is Lucy my podcast is my now. <laughs> um, yeah, this is my podcast. Um, you know, where I'm like, if you, and it's not something that I think is great about me or, or I think is like, you know, but it's like, if you want to engage in a battle of the wills, I'm like, let's go, you know, like, but, and I think also I use my own skills, intuition to figure out what's really at the heart of their stuff in, in a, in, in two part way. Like what's, what's really driving this that they maybe don't acknowledge and what's driving it that we can talk about. Cause the needy, you know, like often I think if someone's really needy, it's like they want acknowledgement. You know, often if so, you know, so I'll be like, wow, that that sounds, you know, and normally it's like, I think it can be 50 50, the type of person we're talking about where it can be kind of like self like created, self inflicted, and they're not taking responsibility. Um, you know, sometimes how you deflect those people is you just, you say that, you know, like you're just kind of like, well, you know, like I'm a very non judgmental person, but like I'm also going to just say it like it is. So I'll just be kind of like, well, I think, you know, I'll like look at the card and be like, well, I think something you have to look at is like, what do you, like, what part are you playing in this? Like, I, it doesn't sound like these things like happen, you know, like, you know, do you maybe have some self-limiting beliefs you that would be worth it for you to, to examine? You know, I'm just kind of like, there's no shame in any of this stuff. We all have it. It's to what degree you'll look at it, you know? Right. So I just am like, but, but what's definitely not going to happen is you're going to take my energy. Like... I'm not going to be, I think a lot of people who would, who have been victims and maybe identify as a victim, you know, um, if they haven't resolved it, if they haven't done any healing, if they haven't had any real acknowledgement or self-acknowledgement in regards to that, they continue the cycle of victimization. They so strongly identify as a victim. They don't think it's possible they victimize other people. And I generally sort of regard those as, um, I'm trying to get away from like, you know, my WebMD psychology degree of like diagnosing people. But I think they're a different um, take on 
an old story of of narcissism and i generally think they're sweet narcissists they think because they're in pain or they really appreciate and value your work or whatever you know that they're entitled and it's like no just because like maybe you have a more noble reason it's no different than someone who has no respect for the work and no and it's just like i want my free reading like it's there's no difference. Mm-hmm. It's it's it has the same effect on me. It, it has, has the same effect on me. Yeah. Okay. So I think that this has been fabulous. Um, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Anatonk, and uh, my website is anatonk.com. And I'm usually teaching out of Maha Rose and on both my website and my Instagram, I generally say what events I'm doing or things like that. So um, please do come and find me. I'm going to come your best friend. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love having a new best friend. What an exciting time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So much fun.